Sometimes it can get kind of confusing trying to figure out which cervical cancer screening algorithm to follow. I mean, is it a co-test? Is it PAP by itself? Is it HPV primary screening? And when should we use HPV as a follow-up to treatment? In other words, for surveillance. So I thought for this session, we're going to cover HPV as a primary cervical cancer screening algorithm, as well as when to use HPV and how after treatment for high-grade dysplasia or CIN3. So get ready for our HPV mini boot camp starting now. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practices because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. The ACOG updated its practice advisory for cervical cancer screening in October of 2020. Unlike the 2012 ASCCP guidelines that relied on test results-based algorithms, the new consensus guidelines follow a risk-based approach to determine the need for further cervical cancer surveillance, colposcopy, or treatment. All right, let's get into HPV and screening changes. The most important risk factor, of course, for developing cervical cancer is infection with HPV. Most HPV infections are transient and pose little risk of progression. Only a small fraction of infections are persistent, but persistent infection at one year and two years after initial infection strongly predicts the subsequent risk of CIN3 or cancer regardless of age. Known cofactors that increase the likelihood of persistence of HPV infection include cigarette smoking, a compromised immune system, and HIV infection. Most young women, especially those at or under 21 years of age, have an effective immune response that can clear the infection in about 8 months or decrease the viral load to undetectable levels in an average of 8 to 24 months. The HPV test can be used in one of three different scenarios. The first is for primary cervical cancer screening. The second is as part of a co-test along with cytology. And the third way to use an HPV test is, of course, for surveillance after treatment of CIN3 or persistent CIN2. Now let's get into the first way, which is the HPV-associated screening. The American Cancer Society recommends the primary HPV test as the preferred test for cervical cancer screening starting at age 25 and going up to the age of 65. A primary HPV test is an HPV test that is done by itself for screening. Now, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved certain tests to be used in this way as primary HPV tests. Now, remember that in terms of co-testing, some HPV tests are approved only as part of a co-test when the HPV test and the PAP test are done at the same time to screen for cervical cancer. Now, because a primary HPV test may not be an option everywhere, a co-test every five years or a pap test every three years are still good options, and that's recognized by the ACOG. But the point that has to be made is that not all HPV primary tests have been indicated or approved as primary cervical cancer screening. So make sure you're ordering the right ones, and we'll get into that in just a minute. 
Okay, for screening, according to the American Society of Clinical Cytopathology from 2019, when primary HPV screening is used, performance of an additional reflex test, that's reflex cytology. See, we're so used to having a reflex HPV, but if you're going with primary HPV as a screening algorithm, then the reflex is to cytology. So the ASCCP reminds us that there should be reflex cytology for all positive HPV tests, regardless of the genotype, and that's the preferred way. So if you get a positive HPV, regardless of genotype, then order reflex cytology. Now, this includes tests that are positive for genotypes 16 and 18. Okay, now if the primary HPV screening test is positive for 16 and 18, and if reflex triage testing from the same lab is not feasible, in other words, they threw out the liquid specimen, then just refer her straight to COPO before obtaining additional testing. But if genotype testing for 16 and 18 is positive and triage cytology is not performed before the COPO, then collection of the additional triage test, in other words, recollection of cytology, at the COPO visit is still recommended. Here's your rapid-fire clinical pearl. So all HPV-positive tests, all of them, require a reflex cytology. But remember, if the HPV primary screen is positive for 16 and 18, then those go straight to COPO, and they should also have cytology performed as reflex, either from the same vial originally collected, and if not possible, then at time of COPO, okay? So everybody gets reflex cytology for HPV positive regardless of genotype, but if they are 16 and 18 positive, then they go straight to COPO. If the primary HPV screen is positive for one of the 12 high-risk types, but negative for 16 or 18, then the management follow-up depends on the cytology. That's why it's important to get that cytology. If that cytology is negative, then you can just follow them up in 12 months. But if the cytology is ASCUS or anything higher, then they go to colposcopy. Well, let's get into the rationale for primary HPV screening. First, though, remember there's only two tests right now that are FDA-approved for primary HPV screening. The first is the COBUS HPV test, and the second is the Onclarity HPV test. Both are approved for primary HPV testing in patients 25 years or older. The recommendation is that for women aged 25 up to 65, then routine primary HPV test screening can be done every five years. Both of these tests can also have partial HPV genotyping. In other words, they can look for 16 or 18. Use of primary HPV screening will likely increase in the future because it's more effective than screening with cytology alone and performs similarly to and with lower costs than rescreening as a co-test. Now, because HPV-16 positive and HPV-18 positive test results have the highest risk of CIN3 and occult cancers, additional diagnostic procedures are recommended for all positive test results. For example, colposcopy with biopsy, even for no evidence of intraepithelial lesions and low-grade cytology. And you can do expediated treatment for high-grade cytology that is positive for HPV type 16. You see, the immediate risk of CIN3 or worse in patients that have HPV 16 
and also have high-grade cytology exceeds the treatment threshold of 60%. So these patients should be given the option for expediated treatment without preceding confirmatory biopsy. Expediated treatment is only possible if cytology is performed. That's why, remember, get reflex cytology for any HPV-positive screening test result, but especially if they're 16 or 18. So, reflex cytology is recommended again for all HPV-positive primary screening results, regardless of HPV genotype. If reflex testing from the same lab as the HPV test is not feasible, then remember that patients should proceed directly to COPO. And in this situation, collection of the additional triage test is recommended at the time of COPO to provide further information for risk-based management. I've already said that, and that's the second time we say it. That's a repeat because that's so critical to remember. Even though they're going to go straight to COPO, you still need that correlation of the cytology to find out if they're in the highest risk bracket or not. All right, now let's get into HPV for post-treatment surveillance. Well, as a famous Texan is known to say, all right, all right, all right, let's talk about HPV for post-treatment surveillance. That was my best Matthew McConaughey. All right, short-term follow-up after treatment for histological high-grade dysplasia has its own guideline. And I remember that we should bring everybody back for serial copo and cytology. But the new guidelines are a little different. After treatment of a high-grade or CIN3 lesion, HPV-based testing at six months is the preferred guideline regardless of the margin status. If HPV-based tests are positive, then COPO and appropriate biopsies should be performed. Follow-up at six months with COPO and ECC is also acceptable, but the HPV route is the preferred. Now let's talk about this issue of positive margins a little bit more. If margins are positive for CIN2 or more, or the ECC that was performed at the time of the excision procedure shows CIN2 or more in patients that are 25 years or older and who are not concerned about the potential effect of treatment on future pregnancy outcome, then repeat excision or observation is acceptable. For observation, HPV-based test in six months is preferred, but again, it's also preferable to perform that COPO with the ECC at six months. Now, for patients that are younger than 25 years or those who are concerned about the potential for future pregnancy outcomes with repeat treatment, then observation is recommended. If recurrent histological high-grade lesion or CIN2 or more develops after an excisional treatment and repeat excision is not possible or it's not desired, then always you have to remember and keep in mind that hysterectomy can be recommended. Now, what's the rationale for all this? Well, the preferential use of HPV-based testing is supported by evidence that post-treatment HPV surveillance is the most accurate predictor of treatment outcome and of recurrence. Although the relative risk of persistent or recurrent histological high-grade lesions is almost five times higher after excisional treatment with positive margins compared with those with negative margins, the issue is that it's a poor ability to predict persistence. 
So let's say that again. Yes, positive margins are a big deal, but there's actually poor ability of margin status to predict persistence or recurrent cancer. And so for that reason, it defaults to HPV status. Now, again, that's a mouthful, so I just want to be very clear. Positive margins are a big deal, but we went straight to repeat treatment in those cases. But now it defaults is a little bit more conservative or liberal, I guess how you look at it, at following up the HPV at six months. So let's put this in perspective. The absolute risk of persistent or recurrent high-grade dysplasia, or CIN2 or above, after excision with positive margins is about 17%. Now, I'm not saying that treatment is not an issue here. Absolutely, repeat excisional treatment without repeat testing can be considered appropriate for patients who are not worried about future pregnancy outcome or are just concerned about this positive result or they may be just unlikely to keep their surveillance protocol. So I'm not saying that retreatment is out the window. It just shouldn't be our first go-to. And a quick word in general about CIN3. Remember that even in patients younger than age 25, the ASCCP states that even in those young patients between 21 and 25, treatment of CIN3 is recommended and observation is unacceptable. It's only okay to follow up a patient with serial PAP and COPO for CIN2. But again, CIN3 should always be treated even in patients under the age of 25, according to the ASCCP. Now, as we get to the end of the podcast, you should be asking, well, what happens after that first six months of HPV follow-up? Well, here we go. In patients treated for histological or cytological high-grade lesions after the initial HPV-based test at six months, then annual HPV testing or co-testing is preferred until three consecutive negative tests have been obtained. After the initial intensive surveillance period, continued surveillance at three-year intervals is recommended for at least 25 years after treatment of any high-grade histology. And that's our last clinical pearl, follow-up after treatment of any high-grade cytology or high-grade histology should continue for 25 years after that treatment, even if the patient is beyond the age of 65. So if they ask you on your oral boards, well, you know, do you stop, can you just stop doing surveillance at 65? The answer is no, according to the last guidelines from ASCCP and the American Cancer Society, you should continue follow-up for at least 25 years after treatment, even if it goes past the patient's age of 65. We have covered HPV not only as a screening tool for cervical cancer, but also in post-treatment surveillance after evaluation and treatment has been done for any high-grade lesion, cytology, or histology. As always, we appreciate you being part of Clinical Pearls, and we'll see you next time on another episode.